Welcome everyone. It's 12 o'clock and it's time for the last design talk before the From Business to Buttons conference that we're starting next week on Friday. So if you haven't got your tickets yet, I really recommend you to go in there and get one right now. I think there's about 20 left. So hurry up. And as usual, you can use uh, our discount code FRIEND if you're listening to this design lunch. But I also want to tell you that already straight after the conference, we will start with the next design talk straight away. So don't miss that and keep your eyes open at LinkedIn or other social channels for more information. But with that said, today, uh, as you know, we have our guest Gerd Leonard, but, and we will talk a little bit about ChatGPT and AI. But to set the scene, and I know maybe everybody hasn't seen the ChatGPT interface, I thought instead of me presenting Gerd, I will actually let my digital assistant do so. So I will share with you the ChatGPT interface, as you see here. And for those of you who haven't seen this before, the ChatGPT is like a digital assistant that can basically help you with uh, different things as coding, writing texts, and so on, rewriting it. And I will check out with Gerd later on how much of this, what ChatGPT is telling me is actually true about him. But first, I'll let ChatGPT rewrite it for me in a more poetic and shorter way so that we don't have to have such a long presentation. So. Let's start like this. Welcome to our design lunch, where minds entwine. Streaming from in use, it's a pleasure to dine. Our guest needs no intro, a futurist at heart. Gerd Leonard is here, ready to impart. With expertise in tech and a voice that's profound, he's advised Google and Sony and many renowned. On topics from AI to the future of work, his insights are vital for us all to perk. So let's get started and delve into the fray. Join me in welcoming Gerd on this beautiful day. So welcome Gerd with those <laughs> words. <laughs> How are you doing today? Okay, yeah, that, that's kind of interesting. You know, the, uh, it's quite typical for the ChatGPT app, which I also use, of course, uh, I have the pro version, but, but it's quite typical to conflate things like it did here. Um, I, I did a lot of work for Google and for Sony and for Lufthansa and many others, but to say that I, I advised Google is a bit of a stretch. You know, what's a typical difference? You know, I, I don't think Google needs my advice on these issues. Uh, and, uh, they have Ray Coates. <laughs> they have Ray Coates for the, the, the probably the most prominent futurist of all time. But, uh, you know, it's a typical thing that that ChatGPT does, which is to uh, kind of embellish, augment, uh, not totally wrong, but it can be totally wrong. Like sometimes you would ask it about, for example, if Gert, if I am an expert on AI, mm. which I'm definitely not because I'm not a scientist. You know, I'm not, I didn't write books about it. I, I understand a lot about it, but 
to be an expert would be like Mark Max Tech Tech Mark, you know, the yeah. AI guy, or you know, Sam Altman from OpenAI or so. Mm. And, and then it says, yeah, no, he's he's an expert, and here are some links to the work that he has published on scientific journals, <laughs> right? And it does it does say that, and then you go to the link and there's nothing there. It's just it's made up, right? Mm. It's, it's really so I always say it's like the most uh, 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 well. There's a joke actually we should use here. Some people say that ChatGPT is like economists. Okay, they're always ready with an opinion, but seldom <laughs> correct. <laughs> thank you for clarifying yeah i think this was a good example and also from my own experience for playing around with it it, it it's very good at sounding uh, very secure of what it's saying a lot of times well but, you know the, the the interesting thing is of course it draws from a database that has been created by us essentially yeah. so first of all that that database completely without any filter it's just everything is shoveled in there into this right um, it's worse than Wikipedia because it really has everything shoveled and Wikipedia is also sometimes very bad. Uh, and of course, it doesn't have any of the 365 languages of India or, you know, the, the content is decidedly male, uh, 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 Western, white. Mm. <laughs> you know? and, yeah. and so all of, all of these things it does, you know, it's not surprising that it comes up with things uh, that's been called uh, hallucination. Mm. you know or or embellishing things and that's not necessarily a bad thing you know it's just mm. that we tend we look at this and we say oh god that's actually the truth you know and and well the truth is hard to define anyway but it's a bit like google maps where you know we use google maps and then we say no if you live in copenhagen you're not gonna uh, you're going to ask questions on mm. Google Maps. You can say, "No, that's not that. That can't be true." Mm. And I should I shouldn't go through the park at two a.m. You know, by foot. Mm. Or right? Google doesn't know all the little details here, and we tend to question it. But but we don't do that so much with uh, AI because we think the AI should know better. You know, but yeah. but it doesn't, right? Yeah, yeah. But you say you're not an expert on AI, but you, I know you know a lot, awful a lot about these things. And before we just delve into this interesting topic, I would just like you to give you uh, an opportunity to present yourself a little bit more truthfully than maybe ChatGPT <laughs> did, because I know you're a futurist. This is a, a title that really tickles the, the imagination for me, at least, and makes me really curious. Mm. And uh, could you just like give us a little bit of um, a background? What is it that you work with and what is your expertise, would you say? Uh, yeah, well, I've, I've been doing the future work for almost 20 years. And before that, I was a tech entrepreneur in digital music. I wrote a book called The Future of Music mm. uh, in 2005, which kind of inspired Spotify in many ways. Uh, music like water, the concept. And before that, before I was in the tech business, I was uh, a musician and producer. So mm. I actually come from the music business uh, as well. Mm. And basically my job is to go five, 10, 15 years into the future and then come back with what I see there, mm. uh, which is mostly about imagination and intuition. It's not really about prediction. It's about the obvious most of the time. It's really the obvious. Uh, and then come back and help clients to understand, to get ready to that for that future. Uh, mm. to start preparing to develop the right strategy uh in in a way you could say that the most fitting explanation is really a future ther a therapist mm. it's like uh you know i see things that the client at the moment isn't seeing or doesn't mm. want to see mm. uh, uh and i bring that in and 
you know, it's it's kind of like in many ways, it's very obvious if you spend 90% of your time zooming out, you will learn things, everybody will learn things, and then you can bring that learning back and change the way that you react today. For example, in the music business, I said in 2000 that music is moving to the cloud. Mm. And we're just going to click on a button and and it'll be all there, 100 million songs. It wasn't hard to see. Oh, Napster, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Napster. It wasn't hard to see, but uh, the record labels hated me for saying that because it, mm. it's against their corporate policy um, mm. is to to use technology for innovation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so uh, in many ways, yeah. So that's really what I do. And mm. um, I have a team of roughly 50 people around the world that do future work uh, in different uh, disciplines and domains like energy, nuclear power, uh, electric vehicles, and and so on. So and we read a lot and basically kind of try to get ready for the future. Hmm. Really interesting. And this brings us to today's uh, topic, I think, as well, because something that may has been, you've seen a lot of writings about it uh, these last, I would say, three weeks or so, or four weeks, is this open letter about putting a pause to AI development, basically more advanced than ChatGPT4. And it, it's it's a letter like there's been so many different voices around it. And I was hoping that we will give some nuance and perspective and different dimensions on this uh, conversation today. And just like mm -hmm. making understandable also for our audience, like, what are the risks that makes people in like names like Max Tegmark, Yuval Noah Harari, who wrote Sapiens, you amongst others, like really big names within the field and within also other uh, adjacent fields to, mm -hmm. to say like, let's pause this for six months and why other people uh, likely strong-minded are also saying, no, this is not a good idea for, for other reasons, but Let's start with maybe your opinion or your point of view as, as a futurist and maybe, as you just said, saying something that the, the, the business don't want to hear. I don't know. What is it that you're seeing, Gerd? Well, uh, basically, I, I signed the letter of the Future of Life Institute as well. There's mm. 28,000 people on there or 30,000 now that signed it. Mm. And it's caused a very big debate for uh, for three reasons. First, um, uh, the invention of artificial intelligence and machine learning, and it's a, been a long process of 50 years, it's not new, mm. but OpenAI came up with the first public model of doing this, which is quite different. The other companies have tried and decided not to pursue mm. the public model before OpenAI for lots of reasons. Mm. And when Microsoft tried it, you know, seven years ago, there was a huge upheaval about all the evil things it was saying. Uh, mm. And so, and so OpenAI was the Sputnik moment, you know, the Sputnik satellite that the Russians launched. Mm. And then Americans said, oh, my God, the, you know, the Russians are going to own space and the cosmos. And, mm. you know, and, and we are here doing nothing. And, mm. and then they allegedly they went to the moon. Um, a lot of people think this is an interesting topic. But the Americans beat the Russians to the moon. Uh, mm. And that's kind of like what Microsoft and Google and, and so on are trying to do now. Mm -hmm. and so so this was the outcome of a long conversation. And really what's happening is uh, that uh, Jeffrey Hinton, who um, who was one of the founders of deep learning and machine learning, very smart guy, professor, of course, uh, he left Google just last week yeah. uh, because he said what's really happening is here that we're going into an arms race 
of uh, whoever is first with general intelligence, AGI, right, mm. is essentially going to own the world, parenthesis. Right? Mm. Um, and this is because uh, a, an intelligence that is generally intelligent, not just writing code or you know, giving answers, but kind of like a human, we are generally intelligent, you know, we can transfer skills. Um, and if we, if we define intelligence as the way of changing your environment based on what you want, Mm. Right, that will be a general intelligence that can do this. So he says, if if we're going towards that, we're talking about potential ten times the value of GDP that we can affect with this tool. We can mm. be ten times as prosperous. So that's his analysis of of general intelligence, and mm. that would increase our output, our economic situation, and of course our power. Mm. Um, and we're talking about roughly thirteen point five quadrillion dollars. Mm. Uh, as potential value of, of AGI. And so this is the scariest part first. There's a lot of money and power involved. There's military objectives involved in weapons, of course, weapon systems. Uh, so it's a power and money thing that has just com gone completely crazy. Mm. Uh, so like uh, OpenAI is now valued at what, uh, $100 billion uh, you know, company. And they're going, they want to raise a hundred billion dollars in investment now is what they just announced. So that's what's happening. The second thing that's happening is as we're moving towards a general intelligence, we're going to use these tools to be, uh, essentially what I call IA intelligent assistance. And that means we're going to use it everywhere where we can make people more efficient and faster and and overall create more margin. For example, a paralegal or a sales center, a call center, driving a car, you know, we could speed up the processes and that is going to really have great impact on economics. Hmm. So imagine if you're a lawyer, you know, you can just give a command to say, write a non-disclosure agreement, hmm. research the, the latest intelligence on these buildings that I'm selling. Mm. You know, or or potential liability or or whatever, right? Yeah. This is all pretty. So that's happening, and the problem with that is that ChatGPT and large language models and generative AI that generates you know images and stuff uh, is trained on a set of data that is basically not uh, focused on the truth or mm. on facts. It's not focused on balanced views. It's focused on getting an answer. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's focused on patterns and and data and coherence but you know we know that real life is not about data mm. you know real life includes data mm. but you know logic alone is just totally insufficient yeah uh, and we also know that these models tend to make up stuff because if you push them hard enough, they'll just fabricate the missing pieces. You know, mm. um, yeah. it's like a Google Maps thing. It's the same thing, right? And and that is not a problem that can't be fixed with more data. You know, mm. it's, it's a principal problem. So we have two issues here. Okay, first with the letter, uh, we have two issues. One issue is that uh, we are going to see this everywhere, like social media, and it will basically fabricate things and make things up. And some of it will be very good and accurate, but mm. we don't know when. And, and there, there's absolutely no control on saying that this content is uh, generated by AI or not. So you can have a news anchor on public television that is a, a robot voiced over with the chat GPT. Mm. 
reading the news that they made up or that mm. they thought was the most important, but there's no human factor whatsoever. So we could end up in a situation where we have the problems of social media, which mm. is distortion, manipulation, truth, lying, deep fakes, times 1,000. Mm. Okay, first mm. problem. Second problem, uh, and this is why uh, the letter is so important, we could generate a system that would eventually be connected to 5 billion people on their mobile phones. That's what we have today in high-speed internet. Basically, would have its fingers in all of the flow of information, mm. kind of like what happens with Facebook, you know, where Facebook knows everything about you, much more than you would ever hope to share with anyone. And if you still use Facebook, I hope not. But <laughs> I don't anyway, so, yeah. so that, system, that system would become so smart. And then there's supercomputing and the connectivity of everybody. So that system could end up being so intelligent in terms of understanding humans mm. that, that it would become kind of super intelligent based on that alone. Mm. And that could lead to what Stuart Russell, one of the key uh, AI professors and writers at UC Berkeley, he calls it misalignment. Right? It's, it's an alignment problem. So the AI would be misaligned with our targets. And imagine if you have a machine that has an IQ of a billion that is connected mm. to 5 billion users on their mobiles and, and handsets and you know mm. uh, wristwatches, uh, it could be misaligned to interpret the world for us. And it could therefore do things without our uh, explicit order. Like, for example, it could say, Left, let's save energy today, shut mm. down all airplanes and airplane traffic control mm. to save energy today. And 100,000 planes would crash from the sky. Yeah, and I think right. here is where I want to like jump in a little bit with um, to make this more comprehensible because there's like there's a part of this that I can definitely understand and align with also like when it comes to the energy consumptions of these big language models and I can see how that could kind of explode uh, or right. how the, the models can get into the wrong hands. But then when we jump over to that last example, for me and I think for a lot of other people, it almost becomes a little bit science fiction. Like that the, the AI would would get to the point of having such a power and such an agency by itself. Uh, I mean, because my my direct experience with programming and neural networks and like the way I've worked with it, it's still something that is contained within. A, it's a black box, but it's contained within a black box in a sense like. And 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 when you're well, talking about now, I'm getting connotations to her, you know, the film which Joaquin yes. Phoenix and the AI well, that kind of takes over the world and jumps out of the computer. And let's put it this way: uh, if a machine is going to become generally intelligent, much surpassing anything that any human can ever do, we will not be able to control it mm. uh, because that's the nature of intelligence. You know, the the mm. people that have more intelligence control the others that don't. That's mm. why we are more intelligent than the chimpanzees. And, and you know, mm. in a way, you could say we, the best thing we could hope for at that point, when, it, when it's basically everywhere, is mm. that this AI would not develop an agenda. Mm. But the worst thing that could happen is that it doesn't need an agenda. We could just have a misunderstanding. Yeah. And like I always say, halfway jokingly only, solve climate change okay we say to the ai mm. the ai says you know humans are the number one problems so for climate change we get rid of all of them problem solved yeah mm. yeah yeah right? and and this is the alignment problem that Stuart talks about uh, well not that it would have the means to do so today 
but imagine if that AI was part of every network and every possible, it could manipulate us mm. to fulfill that objective. Right? And yeah. the other thing is that's really scary. As many AI developers will tell you, we don't know what goes inside, what goes on inside of that system. It is a black box. We don't understand how it makes up stuff. We we just know it makes them up well. Mm. Okay, so the more we, we feed into that system, the bigger the black box gets. And then we really don't know if A, we understand it, and B, if we can still control it. Mm. So that is the existential threat that would be upon us in 2030 or so, not now. Mm. Um, but so no matter how you look at it, Everything that's important to us, banking, financial, oil and gas, media, is regulated. But this mm. is not. Mm. Right? And this has always been a problem. Social media is not regulated. And look what it has done. And it has mm. created mm. a toxic landscape that's the demise of democracy. Mm. Um, even though it does many good things, too. Mm. <laughs> you know? mm. So the mission has to be to take the good things and make sure they can play out, for example, more efficiency, uh, uh, more time for myself, smarter doctors, better healthcare, mm. AI and AI development of pharma, and so on and so on, and at the same time control the potential externalities, the side effects, the negative effects. But nobody will do that voluntarily unless there's uh, something that says, you know, when you're doing this, you also need to look at the side effects. And this is not going to happen if we don't have. Uh, guidelines, social contracts, regulation, supervision, a council, like I've been proposing, mm. Mm. you know, because, you know, companies, huge international companies, especially Chinese companies too, they are going to look at, say, okay, I'm going to make one trillion if I do this. And if I go with the ethics thing, you know, put sand in the gearbox, I make a mm. hundred billion. Mm. And, and and nobody's going to know if they do it or not. So yeah. that's just not going to work. Mm, 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 mm. I hear you. I, I mean, as I because I tried to kind of read the different voices around this letter and understand, like, because the first thing when I myself read the letter, I felt like, well, this is kind of straight up. Why not do like this? It sounds great. Like, have a moratorium, uh, have the the big because it says in the, the I mean, what the letter basically says is like, we don't think that the big tech leaders of today should be the ones making these decisions, but it should actually be made a democratic kind of uh, decision making and put in policies and regulations and just what you. Said. And to do that, we need to pause for six months because this kind of arms race will not pause by itself if not people kind of shake hands and say, let's sit down for six months and wait. And I know Max, I've heard some interviews with Max Tegmark as well when he says like, just as you says, we did this before with a lot of different things, you know, uh, human cloning, we stopped that, you know, and because we realized if this gets out of control, it's it's nobody wins in the end it's we're basically all losers <laughs> but yeah i, I mean so... it it is impractical clearly to to propose this mm. uh it is also impractical when we look at com uh, countries that would not collaborate mm. like like china you know or mm. I, I i'm hoping they would but it, mm. that's what everybody's saying right mm. so it's impractical and it seems like you know in the way of progress and that's all true mm. nevertheless this is probably the most powerful invention right after the nuclear bomb, mm. uh, nuclear energy, probably more powerful. And of course, the, the big deal is you can't make a nuclear bomb without plutonium. It's hard to make a nuclear bomb. It's not that hard to write code and to use mm. code. Right? And, so but, it's much more urgent. Yeah. And and here is, is, is actually you're touching upon one of the things that 
I, I heard some critique around and it's like this AI hype. And I think uh, one of the articles uh, talking mostly about this is the Bender article, Stochastic Parrots, which basically is uh, an article that goes through all the different language models that we have today. And she she's also for regulation, but she wrote a post basically criticizing a little bit this open letter because she sees, sees it as just another thing to hype up the, the AI and where it is today. She doesn't... She's not agreeing that we have reached so far and that there is so much danger. And I would wonder, like, what you, you're a little bit more insightful on this than I am. Like, uh, what would you say about that? Like, is it, you know, because a lot of people say, like, it might just be a hype and a way to make this million dollar industry even, you know, even more um, how do you say, like profitable, you know, like we well, scare everybody that it's all, it's a monster, it's going to jump out of the box, you know, let's invest. Uh, well, there, there's always a good chance for that. Of course, and Emily's article is quite insightful hmm. on this, but but generally speaking, of course, this topic of what I call digital ethics, hmm. you know, this this is in my book from 2016, Technology Versus Humanity, right? That it's all in there. And my book is now experiencing a sort of renaissance because of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's been out in 14 languages. And in the book, I talk about what we really need to do is we need to have a much broader discussion platform about the, the power of technology, making the good thing shine and come out and, mm -hmm. and putting a lid on the bad thing. Mm -hmm. And we haven't, we haven't done that. And the reason we haven't done that is because A, scientists and inventors and tech companies are just going to invent whatever it is. It's the Oppenheimer problem, right? Mm. And I, I'm not wrong with that. I'm just saying it, it could be a critical issue. Mm. And B, the markets are just looking at this as a huge, you know, it's a gold rush. Huh? Mm. And uh, and I think that is the problem because we survived the nuclear bombs. We survived uh, CRISPR-Cas9 experiments. We survived genetic engineering issues we survived kind of social media we are going to survive climate change um it'll be painful but we can we can fix it we have the means uh we would not survive creating a general intelligent uh entity or entities that have an iq of a billion and connect to other million machines with an iq of a billion mm -hmm. um that has the potential to go so horribly wrong that any science fiction film would be a, a, a kindergarten scenario. It's not here now, but uh, we need to start the process. And I think this is why the open, uh, why the uh, Future of Life Institute letter is good, mm -hmm. because we have to stop looking at economic objectives. We have to stop looking at power, US, China, Europe, India, mm -hmm. you know, Russia. Uh, we have to look at the global objective, mm -hmm. which is to solve our biggest problems, to go, to go forward, to be proactive, but to not to be stupid. And yeah. I think even China will not go forwards into a world where that is becoming a tool that's available just without any containment or regulation. Uh, you've seen China react to the CRISPR-Cas9 scenario. A Chinese doctor used it uh, mm. four years ago, five years ago, and he went to jail and mm. the Chinese decided that it wasn't a good idea to just experiment uh, despite of all of the lack of regulation. So yeah, just these to are clarify that issues. scenario for our audience, it's about human cloning, right? Yes, uh, the, yeah. a Chinese doctor five years ago decided that uh, the CRISPR-Cas9 technology, which you can use to, to basically clip a DNA, 
would be a good idea to try that on a couple that had a baby and the father had AIDS. And he used that technology to make sure the babies don't have AIDS, which okay. worked. Mm. Fine. But but we don't know anything about, you know, every possible genome uh, change has 17 million potential repercussions. Mm. Right? Each single one. <laughs> so, so, so we don't know. And this is a very scary turf, you know, basically could mean everybody dies in 20 generations. Mm. Uh, if if that's passed on mm. so uh anyway so this is a similar scenario so really what needs to happen is the power of technology could be heaven mm. or it could be hell mm. and if we don't collaborate just like the nuclear bomb mm. uh well it took 15 years to get to that agreement right we don't have the time now we need to start that conversation about mm. what does mm. it do now what does it do in 10 years what happens when we reach the singularity yeah. And I will talk about that in my talk. I, my topic is the good future, right, for the talk. If we want a good future, it's going to be primarily about not rejecting any technology or science, of course, but putting it to good use. And Buckminster Fuller said, famous futurist, humanity is very good at, at inventing all these really amazing things, but not so good at picking the right use of it. Mm. Right? Um, <laughs> and, 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 yeah. that, and that is something we have to fix. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, as as a designer, I think it it, it goes very well with the, our framework of you know like asking the why before just creating the what, basically. But Especially when it's exponential, you know, this is of course the biggest. You know, we we don't have to worry about you know if we're going to tackle climate change, we don't have to worry about the side effects of solar energy or so as much as we you know there, there will be side effects, you know, landscape and all these kind of things, but. You know, we know what the solution is and we know what the maximum risk is. But this is like nuclear fusion. Like here at CERN in Bern, you know, in Geneva, uh, if you're going to invent nuclear fusion, uh, they said they can do an experiment. And if it goes well, then we have it. If it mm. goes bad, Switzerland is gone in a crater. Mm. Right? And that's not the kind of risk we're prepared to take. Mm. You know, so so we, we need to talk about, uh, you know, kind of, carefully going forward into a world where we can balance all these things mm, mm. and i mean just to also understand if we leave the future a little bit and to to, to talk a little bit where are we actually now you know because how where what kind i mean we know we talked a little bit about chat gpt for those who know didn't know it before you saw it in the beginning of the talk uh mm -hmm. but what other like where where is uh AI today could you give us a, a little mapping of like where is the technology today is the, the danger around the corner or is are we yeah. well right now we the, the dangers are much are much more uh you know uh for, in terms of the curve they're much more targeted and much more individual cases rather than the existential question of robots taken over AI taken over you know the uh, the odyssey space odyssey problem um it, it's not it's really at this point this machine can do amazing things that are based on logic and routine hmm. uh and patterns it is not about meaning it's not about truth it's not about real life it's about limited application so expedia has a great app now which which was just updated yesterday and if i go to expedia there's a chatbot gpt chatbot where i can say i've got four days in switzerland what are the most amazing places at a low budget Mm. And it will, I mean, I can do that now on Google, but here I will get a precise answer on Expedia and I will get all the links in the folder that I can go to. Mm. 
you know, it's it's great. Yeah. But is that on, honestly going to be, you know, if I ask uh, the the head of the tourist organization in Switzerland, and and he knows me or he, she knows me well, she can give me individual advice. It's not going to be the same. Mm. But it's interesting. Mm, mm. So right now we're at the point to where we can say, yeah, interesting tool. If we don't think it's like the gospel of truth, I think it's very useful. Like, you know, you want to research a way to connect your computer with your camera. You know, it'll show you things. It'll bring up videos. It'll do much quicker than Google search. Mm. You know, we're there. And I call that intelligent assistance, IA. Yeah. Okay, and if I'm stupid enough to ask, you know, uh, uh, I'm 35, I live in Zurich, you know, can you find me a suitable partner? You know, uh, yeah, that is a stupid question. And then you're going to get a stupid answer, you know, yeah. and, 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 and also if you're not, if you're not being critical, that's like if you're a student, and you're going to write your school paper with AI, mm. if you're not being critical or, or, or reviewing it, it's going to be a bad paper. Mm. Uh, and, and so Anyway, so what's happening now is we're getting a power tool, okay? Mm. And this power tool can be used to make videos and images and you know, all the amazing things. Right? Mm. Uh, but without human ingenuity and the fine-tuning of all of that, it is still devoid of any meaning, of any context, of any real-life situation. Mm. And, and that's because it's a tool. Mm. So I always say ChatGPT and those kind of generative AI things they are powerful tools. They are not the purpose. They are not human. They are not sentient. They're just more powerful. And the key question here is, how are we going to prevent every piece of content that we watch or see or read to be tainted by mm. the fact that we can use this, what are sometimes called the laziness generator? Mm -hmm. um, you know, a journalist writes a news, an article and is using ChatGPT, but he's not telling us. Mm. And he, he gets led out on a, on, a, on a slippery slope of half-based facts, right? Mm. Um, mm. So uh, this is what Jeff Hinton said, and also uh, Max Tegmark and mm. others uh, in their critique, that we may end to, uh, we go to a world, a world that's uh, synthetic, that's mm. artificial, mm. Because, the, because it's going to be everywhere. So you're watching a movie, it's made by an AI based on audience research, Mm. Probably would be utterly boring, so you wouldn't watch it. But if it wasn't, uh, you you wouldn't know. Mm. Uh, and and mm. imagine what that does to politics and democracy. And this is like social media times one thousand. Mm. And we we don't want that. We need to have a flag that says "made by AI" mm. right? uh, or percentage of it. Right? Mm. Uh, we need to have a way to identify it, which will be hard given the progress of it. Right? Yeah. Um, and we need to have social context as to what is acceptable or not. Mm. Uh, and also, you know, imagine if you were able to, for example, say, we're going to fire half of the paralegals at the law mm. firm because JetGPT is now paralegal, searching and researching, right? Mm. Where is all that money going to go? And, and, and what happens to those people? Mm. <laughs> and mm. you know, even if if we can keep the people and make them better using the tool, that's great. But it's very likely that if you're a really beginner researcher, the machine or, or coder, code writer, right, the, the machine can take over. Yeah. And, and we're going to get slightly worse results, but we need a social strategy for this. Mm. We can't just say, okay, great. Uh, uh, the uh, the telecom uh, gets an AI that can fix the telecom system. 
fires 50% of telecom engineers, keeps mm. the money. Mm. No, <laughs> no, mm. no, we can't do that. Mm. Uh, because, you know, we're, we're talking about the future of what the entire society is all about. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like what you're saying now, I, I would be surprised if not everybody agrees on, on these things. But we just got a question here in the chat. And I also want to say to everybody else listening, like we still have uh, around 20 minutes of this talk. So if you have any questions, take your opportunity now. But this question it really touches upon something that I also think is on, on a lot of people's minds, like, and it's pair age. And he says, if public or mainstream, mainstream in good faith stops extending AI or CRISPR cloning technology, what stops the black market or the dark web or even the gray zone actors from developing the same stuff and maybe even getting, you know, a head start, so to say? Well, of course, that's that's a that's a very good question. Also, because we we really don't want to stop development of good things. Yeah. Like you know, I always say, if I can save a single person from not getting cancer based on the AI research that we've done on cancer, mm. and we will find out what is at the root of cancer, and we will mm. be able to prevent it using that mm. technology, then I have to do it. Mm. So I'm not advocating actually stopping. I'm just saying, you know, we should be transparent about what we're doing here. We should define the goals. We, we should define, we should maybe have a global agency that's mm. in charge of that policy, just like we have a global agency for nuclear weapons, mm. right? Mm. Uh, and we, we should continue and do the good things, but we should be more transparent and more careful. Uh, and we should find provisions to prevent bad actors from doing this. Mm. Uh, or to make it possible to have an antidote against the bad actors, and none yeah. of that exists. No. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, look, you, you can go to ChatGPT, and if you ask outright how to make a bomb, it will not answer the question. But all you have to do is you have to say, I'm writing a, a, a screenplay, and I really need to find out how to make a nice bomb, you know, from from the, uh, the stuff I use in the garden, the phosphorus or whatever, and and it will tell you then, right? Because you're writing a you're writing a script. Let's um, just give people ideas now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's crazy, right? So, so basically, I'm saying yes, that's all true. I'm not uh, voting for you know not continuing. I'm voting for mm. more public scrutiny, more supervision, mm. and worst of all, I think the big. All is the stated goal of open AI is to build an artificial general intelligence. And I think that's not a good goal. Hmm. Artificial intelligence is a good goal because it, it's a tool that will help us to do many things. But hmm. do I want to build a tool that has consciousness? Hmm. Uh, Stuart Russell, again, he says the story is about uh, competence. Hmm. It's not about consciousness. And we have consciousness. That's enough. We don't mm. need the machine to have consciousness. I think that's a very bad goal is to develop a mm. machine that has consciousness because we wouldn't survive it. And, and, you know, the other thing that goes with that question is just like technology in general, we have generated a lot more wealth from technology. So productivity has gone up with all of these tools that we use. Right? But here's the biggest problem. The connectivity, uh, the, the productivity has gotten stuck with all the platforms. Mm. So uh, everybody else, their wages decline and the jobs decline. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is very true in America, and we can't do that. Like in media, we've done the same thing. We have made media into a giant machine using social media, and so Facebook makes 150 million dollars profit per day. 
but that money doesn't go to the content people, the creators. Mm. Oh, it goes to the programmers. <laughs> no, that that is just not a good idea. If we're going to have a tenfold increase of GDP. The benefit to everybody, yes. even the farmer and the unemployed and the old people and the the retirees. Otherwise, we're in yes. trouble. Yeah, you're touching upon something that I think is so interesting. I remember a couple of years ago. I, I mean, I was born in late eighties, and during whole my life, there's been something like like a mantra in the background, like we need to. Optimize, save time, optimize, you know, and now I'm 34. So I look around and I think like, you know, after 34 years, at least of optimizing and saving time, people should have more time now than when I was born, you know, and if I ask, just like, <laughs> turn around and ask my the closest friends, like, do you have more time now than 10 years ago? Nobody has more time now. So you, I well, wondered, you know, <laughs> ask myself, like, what is it that we're optimizing? And when I followed the money, like the only answer that came out of my mouth, at least, was like, we're optimizing the centralization of power. We're, 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 that's what we're right. speeding up. But Well, you know, we, we should never put efficiency over humanity. That mm. is a death wish. Right? Mm. Because basically that gives the power to machines. Mm. So, uh, and the thing about this whole development is that we we can eventually, probably in 10 years, get to the point where we only have to work on the human-only work. Mm. So that's three or four hours a day because the machines do all the commodity work and the routine work. Mm. And then we're going to work three or four hours a day for four, three days a week, mm. earning the same money. Right? Mm. And, and so this could be Nirvana, but we can't continue into this by saying that if you're the creator of that platform mm. or you live in a certain part of the world, then you get all the money. Everybody else gets screwed. Mm. <laughs> you know? yeah. And that's what we've been doing. Mm. I mean, you know, I am lucky enough to be the ben beneficiary of a lot of technology that I use. Mm. In, in, but I realize when I go to Asia or Brazil or so, yeah, these people are not going to get the benefit unless we say the result of this is we're going to give you free solar energy and mm. renewable energy, because now we've solved this problem and you're going to get a piece of it. Mm, mm, mm. I, I think it's really inspiring how you see technology coming in as a, um, actually as a, a mediator and, and a way of like solving these problems, because I think I, I sometimes get like the black filter on and see it from the other perspective. How right. it well, we, we, have to, we, we have to keep, uh, be aware that I think the future is better than we think. Mm. It is. It's not that we have we have we don't have any issues, practical issues, scientific challenges that we're not going to solve. Mm. Even nuclear fusion, quantum computing. Our biggest problem is ourselves. You know, our mm. our policy, our lack of collaboration. And there we can say, generally speaking, I don't think humans are evil. We've just mm. not been very successful at 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 preventing things. You know, we we just react and we otherwise kind of sit back and let it happen. And we need to learn that. Once we learn that, you know, it could be the Star Trek economy. <laughs> I mean, it could be amazing, but mm. but it's not a scientific challenge. We mm. have all of that, and we also have the money, mm. but we're mm. just not getting on the same page. Mm. And I think this is really what we need to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, as this is a design lunch, and for me, this just touches upon so much of the things that we're trying to do as a design company as well. You know, like her whole job as UX and service designers is really to come in with this kind of 
perspective of you know stop for a while and just ask what what kind of result do we actually want to get to why are we doing this and you know backtrack right. from there whereas sometimes we we joke and we say that the, the engineer perspective is a little bit on the other side you know like what can we do oh we can put another button there we can put another button there we can have some special effects but <laughs> i think like what we're but i it's also what i see a lot in society today that th there is a perspective change coming i see more companies and more companies are actually embracing this kind of uh, design process and starting it's, it's absolutely I, everywhere you know, mm. and, and we need to get away from this concept of saying, well, if we can do something, we should definitely do it because <laughs> it looks really interesting. You know, yeah. like it's like longevity. Okay, we're going. My kids are going to live to be a hundred years old, average, mm. unless something happens. The kids of the, their kids are going to be hundred twenty, and mm. that's kind of the natural cutoff. But do we really want to design a world where people can live forever? You know, the end of dying. Do we really want that? And why do we want that? Uh, mm. and, and who's going to agree on you know what the guidelines are here and on this human machine mm. singularity transhumanism these are all very big questions that are popping up left and right now mm. and with AI the key question is we can make another you know 13.5 quadrillion dollars with this mm. but will it be the end of us being human yeah and, and are we willing to take that chance and say well that's great I'm going to live in a world where it's so utterly rich Mm. but I'm not human anymore. Mm. Yeah. Is, is that a good deal? I, I don't think so. That's mm. not the good future that I want. So, mm. uh, I mean, mm. not that I'm in charge of it, but... <laughs> I ended up working with technology, maybe because, you know, <laughs> keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. I don't know. But... Uh, AI has really become like an obsession in my mind because it also forces us to make the big philosophical questions and it, it actualizes them again, you know, and it forces us to ask like now when we have an AI that can create great music, great art, uh, great poetry, you know, it's probably a better presenter than I am for this uh, design talk, you know, uh, why should we at all do anything ourselves? And I think a lot of people start to realize, well, because of the joy of doing it, uh, there's, um, you well, know, uh, like that's a, it's kind a, of the, brings the human the, factor up again, again, right? Yeah, the, the art thing is a very good example. So you can't afford a real Dali, but maybe you can spend 10,000 euros on a super nice print. You pull mm. it up in your living room and it, it's amazing and it, it uh, inspires you. And But you know the difference, you know, you can't afford the 300 million for the real Dali, you can still have a, pl a pleasure from the unreal Dali. Mm -hmm. uh, but but of course, in your mind, you know, there is a huge difference between the two, but the mm -hmm. other one still works. Mm -hmm. So that is quite okay. But imagine you get to the point to where, which is now a big topic, you can build a robot that can be your husband or your wife. <laughs> and that robot will be fully functional and will speak in whatever, you know, George Clooney voice, if you wish. Uh, and it will, it will be functional and it will do the job, you know, yeah. basically. That's Blade Runner 2049, the hologram thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's fully functional. It does the job. But for us as humans, we're not so concerned about get, just getting the job done. Mm. It's a lot more complex than that. Mm. You know, it's it's more like, okay, I'm going to be utterly lonely with this robot that fulfills my, you know, basic needs, maybe, you know. But, but it's just not human. 
And mm. it's a total reduction of everything else that, that we have, which mm. sometimes is okay, but by, by and large, we can't reduce everything. Like, you know, there's mm. people proposing that women should give birth outside of their bodies with mm. what's called, you know, the, the exogenesis and building machines. Well, I mean, this is, this is real, right? And you're mm. saying, okay, you know, there may be an argument for that, but, but I think it's an aberration and I think it's dehumanizing. And generally speaking, if we get to a, a world where lots of things that are dehumanizing become normal, mm. then we're gradually descending into disaster because then mm. we're losing the, the connectivity and the glue that holds us together. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. And I think that's what people are missing also more and more today. It's becoming more and more expressed, uh, as I said. Yeah, if AI is going to help us to get even worse with that, with the dehumanizing, what's, uh, th there's a name for this now called nature deficit disorder, mm -hmm. which I'll use in the talk, you know, basically getting away from each other, getting away from nature, getting away from what really matters, because we're always looking at the screen telling us something. Mm. Um, then we add, we're entering Black Mirror territory. Mm. Um, and we're entering it because not because we are stupid, but because basically it's being portrayed as the best thing to do. Yeah. Um, and I think we need to have a new picture of the future, the good future, as I call it, mm. that involves people, planet, purpose, prosperity, right? Not mm. just prosperity. <laughs> and I, I'm that certain that all the tech companies I work with, they have the full attention to do that. Mm. But it's not their job. Mm. <laughs> mm. I mean, it's it's not the the, the uh, you know the CEO of a bank. Uh, it, they can have great impact, but it's not their job to solve the world's problems at large. Mm. So there has to be. This is what public discourse does. This mm. is what government does. Mm. This is what the council mm. would do. And I know in Denmark mm. there is a council on on digital ethics, mm. uh, which is one of the only countries where that is a big project, right? Mm. Um, and so I, I think uh, Denmark has a very good policy on this, as has the European Commission with the Digital Markets Act and the upcoming AI Act. And everybody's saying, you know, what's going wrong in Europe is that every other country is focusing on progress and achievements, and we're focusing on regulation. You know, mm -hmm. that's just utterly stupid. Mm. You know? Because, yeah, you can have unlimited progress, which makes you really rich, mm. but in the end, everybody dies. Mm. You know? So, I mean, what's the point, right? And it's like... Mm. Okay, I don't, I don't see the point in that. Yeah. No, 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 no. And I've, I, we had a sh short chit chat before we actually did this design talk, and I wrote down something that you said, and I just thought it was really nice. Uh, you said um, that we hear a lot that humans are not capable of collaboration. We hear that oftentimes, and mm -hmm. and then you said that you didn't agree. And I think like when you both what you just talked about is like we just we also need to a little bit reinvent the image we have of ourselves i think today a lot in like in in different projects where i've been or like we try to erase the human factor like the human factor is something that you know you hear it and oh that's the negative thing that's the thing that made things go wrong you know something went wrong oh it's the human factor we have like this kind of like we're supposed to erase ourselves out of all the processes and i think it was just really nice when you said it's like why are we not capable of collaboration? Look at us. We're, we're very much capable of collaboration, actually. Yeah, I mean, of course, uh, humans are complex, but this whole view of humans as being humans being the problem. Mm. Humans are the problem. It's ridiculous because, 
you know, yeah, we create lots of problems, but our capacity to solve the problems is, is exploding because of human ingenuity. Mm. Now, what we need is to get on the same page and improve our ethics and our values, our wisdom. And, you know, it's, it's not an inherent human flaw. Mm. Uh, so some people are saying, you know what, we shouldn't have politicians because the AI could make those decisions and mm. carry out the necessary action that parliament carries out. I mean, this is just so utterly stupid. It doesn't even merit talking about it because, you know, what the AI would create is a cut down version of reality. That's like 3% of what we want. Mm. Um, that's what it does now, basically. So it, mm. it delivers reality in a 3% filter, basically. Mm. In uh, mm. that filter, I can say I can laugh about it. I can make jokes. I can make media. I can use it for my yeah. enlightenment. I use it for my speeches. Yeah, but it's not reality. So mm. these machines don't think like humans. Mm. They think like machines, and machines don't think they they run patterns, right? Yeah, uh, they don't understand really that a computer talks about my face. You know, face recognition, for example, does not know what a face is and what it means when I use. It just can look at the numbers behind the face, right? Mm. So the machines have this cut-down version of reality that is at best a wireframe model, you know, a parrot model, basically. Mm. Right? And can be very useful, but it is not how we work. And, mm. and so right now we don't have this issue of the machines taken over like this because they're not capable of that. But mm. once we invent quantum computing and nuclear fusion, and we have 10, 10 billion people on the internet, and we have no regulation on how that works then it becomes an issue around 2030 mm -hmm. thank you so much gerd for putting light on all these really important topics uh we're running out of time but i just would like you to just tell us a little bit what you're coming to stockholm next week on friday so we will have the opportunity to yeah. meet you in real person for the people who are there what will you talk about at the from business to buttons conference this year well, I'm, my main topic is designing the good future. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make an argument why the future can be good and all the good things that are happening. And then I'll make an argument about how we have to collaborate and how we could collaborate to, to make it good, which includes, of course, energy, climate change, uh, all the waves, and, of course, artificial intelligence. How we can put that into a place that in 20 years, we can hand this world to our kids. We can say, you know, it's better than before. Mm. Uh, and you and you have a chance to make it and be happy and be successful in this world rather than handing a world to our kids that's completely falling apart. And mm. I will uh, also make a point why the future is better than we think and mm. why I believe that we can actually do this and what the indications are and what we need to get to that next point and why the designing process is crucial mm. because designers always ask the question not just if or how, but why. Right. And what is the ultimate destination with what I'm doing here? Mm. You know, and 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 um, that is the question really that stands in the room as we look in the future of humanity. Of you, what, what channel do we? Where do we follow you? Where do we find? Uh... Well, if you look at my uh, uh, my website, my name is Gerd G E R D. So if you look mm -hmm. for Futurist Gerd, uh, yeah. uh, Gert in, in Danish, um, German, uh, you'll mm -hmm. find lots of stuff. My my website is futuristgerd.com. But yeah. be sure to watch the movie The Good Future. Is thegoodfuturefilm.com. It's a film I yeah. made two years ago. Uh, another more scary scenario is called Twice Upon a Time. Mm -hmm. That's my, my film from this year called Twice Upon a Time TV. 
Mm -hmm. uh, all of that stuff is on YouTube. So basically, I have a thousands or so films on, and videos on YouTube. Uh, and the channel is gerdtube.com. So G-E-R-D tube. It's a shortcut to YouTube. Yeah. But you can you can watch. Uh, if you start now, you can probably watch like 2% until next Friday. Okay, fantastic. I definitely will. And I think all of our listeners as well. I know people have meetings at one o'clock. And uh, so far, we have no more questions, just people that are excited to meet you next week at From Business to Buttons. So if you don't want to add something more, Gert, uh, I will say. I just want to have, yeah. say a final thing. You know, it's it's so important, I think, that we go into the future, not based on fear. Mm. Many things that we're, that we're looking at can be fearful, especially with AI, mm. but we need to put aside the fear and just keep a little bit of it over there. You know, <laughs> Generally, we need to get excited about this and then ask the question how we can make it happen in the best possible way, mm. rather than saying, you know, here's all the bad people, here's all the, the mm. war and, you know, all the fear, mm. the fear mm. scenarios. And, and in the last couple of months, we've had a lot of fear stacking up climate change. Uh, Ukraine, Russia, and stuff. Yeah. We need to step, take a step back from this fear and stop watching yeah. all the movies about how the future will just kill us, you know, mm. all the Hollywood, Netflix stuff. Mm. So we need to have a much better view of the future. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And I think a lot of people listening to this talk actually are the ones that are, you know, capable of also creating and crafting those positive stories that we need in order to imagining and reimagining the future. From some to be something more beautiful. Good. Thank you so much. And uh, see you next week, Gert. And thank you for everybody okay. tuning in and listening. Thank you. Thank you.